You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. this Advent season. Again, if that's a new phrase for you, if you've never you know, maybe been in a church or participated in Advent, um, it's basically the 40-day calendar that leads us up from, well, leads us to Christmas Eve and into Christmas Day and Jesus' birthday. I always say to Bo, we're going to have a birthday party for Jesus on his day with cake and a candle because he came into the world and it changed everything for us. And so as we are studying and engaging in this journey of Advent, I think it's one that is full of anticipation and it's full of expectation and it's one of longing and yearning and hoping because even though we today live on the other side of the prophet's promises, even though Jesus has come, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us, and we're not waiting for that revelation to be fulfilled, we still have our own Advent moments today. Because when Emmanuel came, he came to begin God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And what that looks like is restoring creation back to its original goodness, meaning humanity had no brokenness, there's no evil, there's no violence, there's no hatred, there's no racism, there's no injustice, there's no oppression, there's no abuse anywhere. And what Jesus did is he came as a baby to begin the process of sucking all of that out of what had become darkness over the whole world and over us. And so even though we don't wait for that to begin We have our own Advent moments today because we are waiting for that to come to full fruition. We're waiting for the day when that is complete, when the work that Jesus started as a baby that he really propelled with the cross, it would have been impossible without the cross and the resurrection, then is fully realized. And so all of us have Jesus with us. God has come with us, but we still face our own moments of chaos and brokenness and discord and disillusionment and doubt and fear and all of the things that come with being a human who lives and engages with this planet. And our challenge this year, every year, every day, really, if we're being honest, is to learn how to see the tangible presence of God with us so that when those moments come up, we are not lost in the chaos. We're not overthrown by it. We're not buried by it, but we can sustain through it. Realizing that God is with us gives us endurance to live as humans in a broken world and to be humans of peace and hope and joy and love and not just people who are barely surviving which if we're honest is how it sometimes feels when we're walking through our office place or our neighborhood and you see the people around you and they're just barely there. God says, you don't have to live like that here and now. My restoration has come. It's still coming. There's more to it, but you can enjoy and live in the beginnings of heaven on earth now. And it's okay as we are learning how to live with him and engage with him to ask a lot of the questions that Israel was probably asking at the first advent when they were waiting for the Messiah to be revealed. God, where are you? If you're so good, why is all of this happening? How much longer do I have to wait? Are you even real? We have to realize that the questions of the first advent 
It's okay if they end up being questions that we ask as we wait for that second advent of Christ. That doesn't make us unfaithful or less of a follower. It's just humanity. It's just part of the journey of us learning to see where he is, is being honest enough to ask him those hard things and say, guess what? I have a question. And so I want to ask you those questions this morning. You have a green piece of paper that was on the chair. There's pens in the seat back in front of you. Last week, we offered God all the difficult things that are happening in our lives, and we put them right into the, our version of a manger. Today, what I'd love for you to do is take the next 30 questions and think about the difficult parts of your life right now. What are the things you're wondering of God in those places? And write them down as an offering to him this morning. If you're online, you can put them in the comments if you feel brave. You're also welcome to privately create your own little manger offering right at home, just like we have here. Be honest. No one is going to read these. You can have really big questions for God. They're all nicely folded like they were last week. I'll give you 15 more seconds. You're certainly welcome to add to it if we don't give you enough time for all the things you're wondering about him. Lots of people still writing, so we'll give you a little bit more time. There's something so beautiful and healing about starting our service with a bit of personal rawness with the Lord. Asking him questions, being genuine about how we're showing up today. God doesn't need you to come in and everything's fine. In fact, he's fine if you're not fine. He's fine if things are great, but he doesn't need you to pretend. So what we're going to do is at the end of service, you can fold that up really nice and neat so that nobody else can read it, and you can just drop it as an offering. You can say something to him when you do or not, but you can leave it up here. No one will look at it or read it. It's just one of our continued gifts that we're putting under our tree to Jesus this year. But the gift that he gives us in that first Advent and the gift that we're going to hang on to and explore today is that gift of companionship, right? There is, a, there is a huge difference between the first Advent and the second in that Israel was waiting for this Messiah, this Savior, this promised king who was going to come and be better than anyone they'd ever known. And in that, part of that was that they had to do it just sort of with their traditions on the other side of that Advent, we get to have God with us as a friend. His companionship, his, his presence, his tangible realness with us, even as we wait for things to do, as we wait for him to come and move again. And the beauty of that is that we can use the five senses that God created us with to be able to recognize that physical presence of God in our midst. In fact, we are called to do that. 
A lot of times we think we're these knowledge-based people. We like to think we bring everything in through our brain and we're super smart. But the reality is our perception of reality is entirely rooted in our five senses, which are basically data seekers. They help us to understand the world all around us. So as they engage with the world, as they process and interpret the things that they come in up in our brain, that helps us form our perception of how things work on earth. And so if we're trying to learn where the presence of God is with us, if we're trying to understand Emmanuel in the middle of our chaos, we have to be able to use those senses to tangibly seek after and engage with who God is and how that impacts our reality today. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into our second sense. Last week we did smell. Today we are going to use touch. So King Jesus, we ask that you would make yourself present and known to us. We know you're already here, but we ask that you would increase our awareness of your real presence as Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first things first. We're going to talk a little bit about the science because A, I find this fascinating. Some of you might hate it, but you're here and you're sticking it out. But I think there's something so interesting about the way that God wired us, the way he created us, that it all works together. And so what does a human being need to survive? Just asking this out to the group. Back table. What does a human being need to survive? Youths. Water. Coca-Cola. <laughs> food. Water, food, and Coca-Cola so far. Air. Relationships. Oh, Jen, jumping ahead. I see Abby's hand. Maybe. Aiden's hand. Shelter. Love. Ooh, that was good. No one needs clothing. Y'all act like we don't live in the Northeast. <laughs> okay. I would like clothing. <laughs> Suppose if you lived in the desert, you'd be fine. It would be, it would be an experience. It would be something. So some of you are already jumping into this concept, but we do. We, need some, we have some basic needs. We all need food. We all need water. We all need some form of shelter and clothing because the reality is our human body is not adapted to survive in the elements just as it is. Um, some people may have adapted at different junctures. We are soft people. We don't know what we're doing. But the reality is we need one more thing beyond just those basic needs, even though that's the thing what people talk about the most. And so Harry Harlow did this study of infant monkeys, and he took them away from their moms, which that's not the picture yet. Hold on. He took them away from their moms, and he was like, I want to study and see what kind of nurture relationship is important in the dynamic of parent and parents and children. And he gives them two alternatives. He gave the little baby monkeys a terry cloth mom, like a stand-in mom that was basically a stuffed animal. And he gave them a wire one that had food. And overwhelmingly, even if they went to the wire mother to get some sustenance, nine times out of ten, they spent their time with the terry cloth mom because she provided a sense of emotional attachment, comfort, presence and feeling nurtured and loved. And so as much as we want to reduce humanity's needs to these basic things that we could essentially get on our own and require no relational connection to anyone else to have, we are not as human beings wired to need just those things. We need each other. 
We need healthy emotional attachments. And without them, we can survive, but we're probably not going to thrive. Joe, if you want to flip on to the next picture. Human beings were created to need to be nurtured. In fact, the studies that have come out of places where there aren't enough caregivers, like certain places in Russia and, and, and in the Czech Republic, kids have greater developmental needs because they have all their physical things taken care of, but they're so full that there aren't enough carers to provide the nurturing love that they need. And that's something that helps us move from just survival to actually flourishing. And the hard part about this, adults, hear me here, is that that need doesn't lessen for us as we get older. Our development may be more secured once we've aged, but the reality is we still need healthy emotional attachments even as we are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100. It never goes away. And the reason they know this is because they've seen that safe, positive physical interactions with other people help us not only release stress, because what happens is it gives us hormones that like dopamine and oxytocin and other things that help us feel loved and important. So not only does a good physical interaction reduce our stress, it actually lowers our blood pressure. It helps the release of physical pain in our body and it helps boost our immune system, which is probably why the world went feral during COVID because we didn't see people anymore. There were no healthy physical interactions and we all suddenly had road rage. We're like, we'd have so much stress that we've never processed. And so maybe today, the best thing you can do is just get a really good hug from somebody that you trust. Um, because the reality is we were wired from birth to death to need healthy, secure emotional attachments from people. And with them, that is how we begin to form the reality, to form the perception that we are safe, secured, wanted, and loved. Because our senses are what help us to form our perception of the world. And we cannot form a perception of the world in which we are actually genuinely cared for and cared about without the sense of touch. Touch is integral to how we engage and begin to form a healthy identity. It's so critical for kids. We see it all the time. There is quite literally attachment disorders with kids if they're not loved and nurtured. But that doesn't change as we get older. If we are alone and we don't have anyone, it, I'm not saying that they have to be like, you don't have to snuggle. You don't have to be a cuddler. But somebody who's going to give you a hug or put their arm around your shoulder, give you a handshake, someone who you feel safe in their company, what that does for you is it helps you to feel secure enough to put your guard down and begin to be a human being around other people. And that is what allows you to flourish. Because if you're always in stress mode, you're always in survival mode. And we cannot use all of our brain in survival mode because we have really important things we're trying to do. It's when we can come down to a place of rest that we can begin to be creative and expressive and to tap into things like dreaming and hoping and thinking about the future. All of this data that allows us to feel that way comes in through our perception or our sense of touch. All of it. Safe, healthy touch. Let's be very clear about that. Safe, 
Healthy touch is the primary way that we form healthy emotional attachments, which is why the flip side of that is so devastating for people. We don't need to go into the reality of what many people in this room have walked through, which is the opposite. But isn't it interesting that if this is such an important sense and it does such an important thing in us, that God made our whole body the data perceptor for it, right? Your whole body's covered in what? Skin. (laughs) Yes, guys, we are covered in skin. And skin is the primary way that we engage with touch. Even if you're not being touched by another person, you're wearing clothes today, right, Barbara? We are wearing clothes. Thank you. (laughs) And you're feeling what those feel like. All of your clothes feel different. How many of you have a favorite pair of sweatpants? You know how they feel. I can instantly say that. And you're like, yeah, that's how they make me feel. I'm cozy. You're like, I would never wear those. Those are not appropriate clothes in public anymore, you know? But you have those things that you're always feeling. And could this be why Jesus so frequently used touch as the way that he chose to heal people who specifically did not feel safe, secure, wanted, or loved? Because he knew the power of it. He knew the purpose of it. And so whenever it was void for someone, he specifically used that style of healing in order to help them begin to have a new narrative in their minds. See, in Jesus's day, the law dictated that certain conditions like bleeding, menstrual bleeding, uh, unknown rashes and skin diseases like leprosy, uh, dead people, should not be touched by other people. And the idea behind the law wasn't to be cruel and ostracize them, but it was to create this prevention of a spread of diseases, right? Like, don't go around touching dead bodies. That's probably good advice. I think we should still kind of stick to that, right? But the reality is, even though it starts in a good place, it becomes a social death sentence for anybody who is well, I guess if you're dead, you're already dead. But if, you are, if you're a woman or if you have a skin condition and there's not a lot of medical options, it becomes this, this social death sentence for you where the very thing that you need to thrive, you are cut off from because people can't touch you. And not only can they not touch you, they don't want to be around you because if they accidentally touch you or something you touched, they become ceremonially, ceremonially unclean which means they couldn't participate in work, they couldn't participate in family life, and they couldn't go to the temple and participate in the very thing that was the center of their communal living. There were people that existed but didn't really exist because they couldn't engage in healthy, safe, physical touch. They were untouchables. And as a result, it began to build this idea in them that they weren't safe and secure and they certainly weren't wanted. They were the opposite of wanted and they certainly weren't loved. And isn't it interesting that those are exactly the people that we read about that Jesus chooses when they come forward for healing to not just speak it, but to touch them before the healing happens. As if to say, I need you to know more than your physical healing I need you to know the narrative that you are loved, wanted, seen by God. We're going to watch a quick clip from The Chosen. Oh, I should turn off the light. 
Yes, you're right, Terry. Pretty dramatic, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Whew. I cry every time I see that. Because more than what the leper needed, in the accounts we read in Mark and La- in, in 
Matthew and Luke, more than he needed to be healed, he needed to know that he mattered. But God is so good that he did both. God is so good that he does both. He chooses to touch the untouchables. And what happens in that moment isn't just a physical healing, but what happens that we don't get to see any more of the story of is that that man is restored to community. He's restored to his family. He can go home. He, he may have a wife and kids. Who knows? He may have had a business. He certainly can go back to the temple and begin to worship the Lord. God restores him back to being able to be physically part of the world, to live in a world where he can be touched, he can be included, he can be wanted, he can be welcomed in. Because that is what the Lord longs to do for all of us. Touch is the primary way we form healthy emotional attachments and the belief that we are secure and safe and wanted and loved. It helps us move from just that place too of, of learning. It helps us to learn that God is physically with us, to be present with him, but it helps to also bring a solidification to our faith because touch is also something that helps us feel like things are real, right? There's this sense of like, if I can touch it, it must be real. We all know a million dollars is real. I don't think any of us have probably touched a million dollars, but that feeling would be really different for us if suddenly we were like, now it is in my ownership. There's a change that happens as well when something becomes not just an idea, but it becomes a tangible, practical thing that we can put our hands around, which is why God made a point of always prioritizing physical connections all throughout scripture with his people. In the Old Testament, OG, first chapter, what does God do? He shows up into his creation and hangs out there. He walks with Adam and Eve. He enjoys their company. They take afternoon strolls together. They are physically in one another's presence, enjoying and developing relationship. And even after the dynamic between them shifts, God continues to find ways to physically manifest among his people. In Exodus, he travels as a pillar of fire. What does fire do for us? Keeps you warm. Provides light. They could feel, and as Israel is traveling through the desert, which does get quite chilly in the evening, God is in the middle of their, of their camp as company, protecting them, giving them light, but also giving them heat. They can feel the warmth of his company with them. Even though he doesn't look like a person, they know that God is with them. And in the New Testament, God resets creation. That's exactly what Jesus' coming is essentially doing. It's a rebirth of creation, but instead of destroying it all, God is setting it up again, and he sets Jesus up as the first of humanity, the first of renewed humanity. And he says, what does he do? He comes and he walks among us just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And he does this because he wants us to have physical interactions. Jesus was a baby. He had to be snuggled. He had poopy diapers that had to be changed. He had to be burped. I imagine at some point, Joseph probably threw him in the air like people do with their toddlers if they like them. Bo hates to be thrown in the air. He would rather have his feet on the ground, which is fine. But he engaged in meals with his family he snuggled up with them. He wrestled with his brothers. We see him hanging out with his disciples, like laying against 
with one another like teenagers do, like young adults do. We see him hug the people that he is closest to. We see him hug the people that are strangers. Jesus could physically be touched. The presence of God could physically be touched. And he says in 1 John 4 9, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. Showed us how much he loved us. Allowed us to physically engage with the realness of his love for us. To tangibly receive it and feel wanted and seen to feel heard and understood by the living God through the tangible person of Jesus. And touch is the message, it touches what propelled the message forward. You have to realize Jesus died a horrific death and his disciples were shook. They didn't know what had just happened. And the reason the message kept going forward was because he reappears to them when he rises from the dead and many of them touch him. They're like, oh, you're not a ghost. We definitely thought you were, but look at you eating fish. It's not falling through you. Come on. You've all wondered that. Do ghosts eat food? Mary, when she's in the garden in John 20, she thinks that she's talking to Jesus. She thinks he's the gardener. She has a revelation that it's actually him when he, she hears him say her name. And what does she do? It says, he's, well, he says in verse 17, don't cling to me. We have this idea that she was like, oh my gosh, which if somebody came back from the dead, you might do, you might, I don't know, maybe you'll run away, but she just clings to him and she's like, you, you're real, you're here, you're back. Everything you said is true. And it, it's, it becomes her living testimony that no one can tell Mary any different that Jesus isn't king and that he didn't rise from the dead. The message of the kingdom of God continues to go forward because the disciples saw and touched and felt his presence. And then we see in John 20, we've got Thomas. Everybody digs on Thomas. who's like, I'm not going to believe Jesus is really alive unless I touch the nail holes in the side of his body where they put the spear in. And Jesus in his kindness and his mercy shows up in their midst, comes through a locked door because he's God and he rose from the dead and he can do that. And he says, Thomas, come. Feel the places where the nails went through my hands. Feel where the spear pierced my side. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Touch reaffirmed that they were not crazy for following this man. It reminded them this is the Messiah and the King. And they are willing to die over that. Many of them do die as martyrs after the fact because their sensory experiences proved to them something that was now unshakable in their minds. God is real. He is alive and he is with me. And so anything else in life isn't, it, I'll give it all up to you, including my very life, because I know what is true. But what does that mean for us today? Right? Jesus is not he ascended back to heaven. He's not walking on earth in the same way that he was in Israel. We can't touch him in that same way. So what does it mean for us to be able to feel the presence of God in such a way that we can know his touch, we can know when he's tangibly with us, we can recognize and feel that and know that we are not alone, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. What do we do? Well, I'm going to ask a question because I know some of you feel this way, and then I'm going to get some volunteers. What does it feel like for God's presence to be with us? If you have felt the physical presence of God with you, what did it feel like to you? Warm. 
Warm, peace, safety, tingly, yeah, more tingly, <laughs> two for that. Anything else? Numbing, yeah. Okay, well, that's a good start. Uh, heat, peace, uh, sometimes people feel weight, like a good weighted blanket. If those of you that, ha- yes, those of you that have them, you're like, Oh, that feels really nice. Not like a bad kind of weight, but a really peaceful, soothing weight. Some people have gentle shaking or rocking. Um, Other people, there's other things that you can physically feel. It's not just these. Um, But what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to ask for like two to three to four volunteers to come and demonstrate in front of everyone what it feels like when God's presence comes, and then we'll move into ministry time. Because if we want to know Emmanuel is truly God with us, we need to know how to perceive his physical presence. We need to know what it feels like when God is giving us a hug. Because that will anchor you to know that God is real. And it's okay to ask for those types of experiences. So, kid, and I have a couple brave people pop a hand if you're like, I'm willing to do this. Dan, are you volunteering yourself? Anybody. I, we can't move on. Erica, Taylor, Terry, Vanessa. Okay, four. Four brave women. Shout out to the ladies. Um, prayer team, if you just want to be on deck, just know where you are. But I'm going to ask, we're not going to do anything weird. We're going to invite the presence of God to come. If you guys want to sit, that's fine. You can stand, whatever you want to do. Um, we're going to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come. We're going to bless what he's doing. And then as you are feeling him, I'm going to get the microphone, Joe, and I'm going to just ask you what you're physically feeling in your body. And it's okay if you don't feel anything. We're not going to make it up. We're not trying to, like, create a false expectation here. But the idea is to know what it feels like when God hugs us and to help people in the room to be like, oh, I can be open to that too. So if you want to just put your hands out, I'm going to move the mic first so that I'm not... Sorry. Um, Yeah, just hold on to that. So we're going to invite the presence of God to come, and we're basically going to say, God, what does it feel like when you give me a hug? And then we're going to see what he does. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence right now. More, Lord. More. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, God, we just bless what you're doing, and we ask for an increase right now. We ask for a hug for Taylor, Vanessa, Erica, and Terry. More. More, Lord. More. Increase. More. There he is, Terry. More. Yeah. More. Yeah. Just bless what he's doing, Vanessa. Just see him moving really heavily on you. More. You guys can use your sense of sight while we're doing this. We're clinicking this. This isn't, this isn't, this is like an experiment, right? So you can watch their countenance, and I encourage you to use your eyes right now and look at them. See what you're seeing. See if you can use sight to see the presence of God, because that's very real too. Yeah, more, Lord. More. Yeah. So I see Terry starting to sway a little bit and rock. And then there's like super deep stillness on the other three. Yeah. So I'm going to 
Ask for more on Terry. Just ask for more right now, Holy Spirit. Just increase more. More. Ask for physical manifestations of your presence with each one of them. And I hate to break in because you all look very peaceful. But would any of you like to share what's physically happening in your body right now that we cannot see? Here. Doesn't mess on you. Do you mind putting speaking into the microphone? Sorry. I feel light as a feather. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a shift in the way you felt from when we started praying to just right now? Slightly. Slightly, but I ask for hugs all the time. That's why I came up here. Yeah. Um, And that's when I find my most peace, Mm -hmm. clarity, and love. Mm -hmm. Like pure, just love. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. Anybody else want to share? I don't know. I just felt like, um, I don't know how to describe it, like wind on my fingers. Mm. Cool. And warmth. And warmth. That's new. Taylor, would you like to share? Yeah. I don't know if it'll stretch super well. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, so I felt um, it was like a, a vibration, almost mm. like a pulsation in my mind. Um, okay. And it, like, happened, like, one or two or three times. And then um, same thing kind of over, like, my chest area, just um, more, like, tingly rather than pulsation. Uh, yeah. And then just a general sense of peace as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Terry, did you want to share? You were, hate to interrupt you. <laughs> Sorry. I just felt like um, I was being cradled like a baby. Oh, I yeah. Like, you know, when a baby, baby's being cradled and held tight, mm-hmm. that's kind of because I felt like I didn't have any, I didn't have to stand. I didn't have mm. to sit upright. I just felt like yeah. dead, like, dead like weight yeah. and like rocked. Thank you, Lord. Cool. Thanks, ladies. I appreciate that. We're going to give everybody a chance to experience that, or you guys can go back into that cool feeling, but I appreciate your willingness to come up and just be brave. Um, It always feels weird to be prayed for when everyone else is staring at you. Um, But the reality is, if touch is such a critical part of how we feel loved and secure and safe and wanted, and if it's such a critical component to us forming reality, we have to be able to recognize when the presence of God is moving on us. And it's, it's because he doesn't have a body in the way that we think we don't always know how to receive those slight moments, whether it's a vibration, a really small, like a sense of peace, whether it's a little bit of heat or our hands having a breeze go over them, the more we practice becoming aware of him touching us, of him being in our company, the more that we can just be going about our day today and be like, oh my gosh, God, I feel you here with me. I didn't even ask you, but like you're at the bank with me. That's cool. That's beautiful. That gives me hope in this moment that I am not alone. So if you want to You don't have to stand today, unless you're about to fall asleep on me and then stand up. No, um, we're going to move into ministry time. And what I want to do is I'm going to start us off with a really short imaginative prayer exercise. And then we're going to do exactly what we did up front, where I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I want you to look at all the subtle ways that your body changes 
if you feel them. If you don't feel anything, that's okay. Nothing's wrong with you. You're not broken. God still loves you. But I want you to become perceptive to, do you feel heat, weight, slight shaking, peace? Do you feel something in your body? And you, what you need to do is tag that sensory experience and say, God, I felt you in this moment, even if I'm not sure if you're real. But I think that that happened in correlation to the prayer. And allow that to build. Practice that at home and say, God, help me to feel your presence even as I do dishes tonight. Okay? That's what we're going to do. All right. So you can close your eyes, take a deep breath. You know which part of the Godhead you feel safest with, whether it's Father God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. So I want you to do is begin to allow the image of one of them to come to mind. Just imagine yourself in a physical room and they have a physical body of some kind. You can see them, their hair, their skin, whatever clothes you envision them in. And as those details become more concrete, as they become a little bit more clear, I want you to make eye contact with God. Do your best not to turn away. If you feel like you're having a hard time, just imagine him lifting your chin just ever so gently because he wants to make eye contact with you right now. Once you're eye to eye with him, I just want you to imagine in your mind him taking you into whatever position is most comfortable. If you, if you feel comfortable receiving a hug from God, and imagine him wrapping his arms around you. If you prefer to have his arm around your shoulder, you can envision that. Um, or even a good, strong handshake. If that's where you're at with the Lord, that's okay. And as he makes contact with you, how do you feel? Just begin to let the, your body, your earthly human body, experience that. More, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Release the physical manifestation of your love right now. Mm, yeah. More, Lord. More. Ooh, I get the sense that some of you have pent up emotion that as you feel him, whether it's heat or pressure or whatever, like some of you are feeling an urge to cry, and that's okay because you're safe with him. I, be, I just give you permission. I release that. I bless that. Mm, yeah. More, Lord. Yeah. That's good. 
think some of you are feeling peace. I'm seeing it on your faces. You've got these little slight smiles like you're in another world because you are. (laughs) It's good, Lord. More. Some of you are gone. (laughs) You guys are in another world entirely, and that's beautiful. Mm. Bless it. More, Lord. Yeah. Let your weight be felt. I pray if some of you are starting to kind of bend. I pray, Lord, if that's how you're manifesting to that person, let your weight, the weight of your glory and your love be felt right now. More. Yeah, more. Between Jason, Terry, and Julie, and Carlene, there's like uh, just a, a waterfall of God's presence right now. And so we bless that, Lord, and ask for an increase, a spillover. Yeah. More. More. Mm. All right. We only have a, a minute or two left, so I'm going to interrupt your time. It isn't how we normally end ministry time, but I'm going to interrupt you. I want to ask how the people in the room are feeling God. If you think it's God, you're not even sure. You're like, this is how I feel. Barb. I feel happy. happy. Yeah. Very happy. I love that. Yeah. I can see the emotion. In your face is actually a little bit more red, Barb. It's almost like you've just been somewhere warm. Yeah. So it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I'm not like, ah. Somebody else, anybody else that wants to share? Sure. Yeah, hey, that, the presence of God. Amen. Nice. Yeah, Jen, I was like, Jen's gone. Jen's, <laughs> bye. She's in a peaceful place where she feels safe enough to be totally vulnerable. Yeah. could see that your body posture just kept going down. <laughs> Somebody else? Yeah, Terry. More peace. Yeah, you're getting, like, snuggled by God today. Jason, you were looking. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, that is not an uncommon experience with the Holy Spirit where you're suddenly like, whoo. <laughs> yep. It happens. Drunk in the Spirit. It's not weird. Yeah, Mackenzie. Hmm? Emotional. Yeah. I saw it on you. I, saw, I won't call anybody else up, but there's a few people you could see to, as God was moving on you, it was stirring up almost a sense of safety where you were feeling, yeah, emotion, which is really beautiful. Vanessa. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And that's valid. Mm. Sure. Mm. Wow. Wow. 
Then, sure. Thank you for being willing to share that too. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and sometimes we we so we say those prayers and we don't actually anticipate a physical reaction or response where he is like, I want to physically hug you in this moment, and it may not feel like it may feel like an embrace if a friend comes up and hugs you spontaneously, but it could feel like heat, it could feel like peace, it could feel like release, it could feel like safety. And what we need to recognize is that that is God moving among us. And so as we have those sensory experiences, it's tagging it in our brain so that it says, that is what it feels like when, God, when I encounter God. That may not be how it feels every time, and it certainly isn't the only way, but that's how we begin to build a memory, a muscle memory of what it's like to be in his company. No different than the people in your life that you know are safe. Over time, you've had safe sensory experiences with them that you've been able to tag in your brain and say that person is a good person to be around. And so because you have given yourself time to get to learn them, we have to give ourselves time and space to learn God as well. How about one more person? That, does anybody else want to share something? from? Yeah, Sean. Uh, moment, I'm just feeling pressure in my chest. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that yeah and thank you for being honest too sean like we said if you're not feeling his presence in a way that you can recognize or receive you are not broken like you're not under not getting his love it just we all have to learn to feel it in the unique way that we're created and wired so we're going to wrap there if you need prayer this morning or you're like wanting to hang out we'd love to have you hang out we've got our cafe open and coffee our prayer team is available though so if there's something you really would love to just talk to someone about or get prayer for come to the front like sides and they will meet you over in some of those more quiet spaces